The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Coming up this afternoon, we're going to talk about the real estate market. Now, normally we'd do that sort of at the beginning of the month when you get some of the numbers in from the past month, that kind of thing. But I, I was just sitting around and I was wondering who is actually buying a home in this economic climate? Now, between, between the downturn and the pandemic, so many people who are out of a job entirely or perhaps are on a job hiatus. Is the market thriving? Is it surviving? Is it not surviving? I was actually kind of surprised to hear that in general, it's actually doing pretty well. So have you bought or sold a home in the last year? I'd be interested to hear uh, your experience. And then uh, there's also the COVID protocols. How does, how does that complicate things when you're trying to either sell a home, show a home, or actually go and take a look at a home? So all of that coming up later today on 6.30 Ched Afternoons. But we're going to start today with ensuring that firefighters in Edmonton get help when they need it. So Edmonton Fire Rescue Services has partnered up with Wounded Warriors Canada and the intent is to ensure that their frontline workers have access to as many mental health resources as possible. Wounded Warriors, of course, uh, started out as a way to help members of the armed forces deal with mental health issues from PTSD and beyond. Clearly, they've established programs and expertise in this area, and they're broadening their work and bringing in more underneath that umbrella. So Scott Maxwell is Executive Director of Wounded Warriors Canada. He's joining me live near on 6.30 Ched Afternoon. Scott, great to have you. How's your Friday going? Happy Friday. It's going great. I just wanted to acknowledge that I also bought a home through this COVID uh, year, and it was quite an interesting scenario to say the least. So just, looking just the, forward to that part of your chat. <laughs> okay, yeah, just the logistics of doing so? Yeah, the logistics of doing so, the the market, uh, certainly in Canada and where I live in the greater Toronto area, was way more heated and intense than I ever thought imaginable given the situation we're in. But I got through it, it, it yeah, but you're bang on with all the surprises that home homeowners or prospective homeowners are going to face getting into this. So, cool. yeah, yeah, and we will get into that a little later on in the program. We have you on to talk about this partnership between Wounded Warriors Canada and Edmonton Fire Rescue Services, uh, and, and we'll get into some of the details of it, but mm-hmm. I think most people are pretty familiar now with Wounded Warriors and the kind of work you do, but just give us a little bit of background. When did this really get rolling, uh, Wounded Warriors, as an organization? It was in 2013, coming out of uh, uh, our time in Afghanistan as a country, uh, responding to the new emerging operational stress injury, mental health needs uh, that were certainly became a reckoning for the country as a result of the fact we were losing more uh, veterans who served in Afghanistan to suicide than we did to those who those were killed in action. And just responding to this new and emerging need of mental health, really, uh, operational stress injuries, post-traumatic stress disorder. So Wounded Warriors Canada was created in 2013 here in the country to respond to that need, to help where we can. And then from there, it was simply just uh, develop and deliver programs and gaps that we can assess and identify and find in the community. And mm-hmm. we shifted to include first responders in 2016, which of course brings us to what we're talking about today. But it's been an evolution and you learn and you live by the members and their families, what they're, what they're saying their needs are and, and where the gaps are. And you're just trying to fill them. That's, yeah. that's, what, that's what NGOs are supposed to do. And that's exactly what we do at Wounded Warriors Canada. And I just missed the year as you were going through there. So when did you start expanding? Because you obviously had to sort of build this from the ground up. Clearly, there'd be lots of different partner agencies and people you would work with, but you really had to build it from the ground up. So how long did that take before you started going, you know what, we can help other areas, other organizations? 
Yeah, three about about three years okay. of actually developing and delivering programs first for veterans and then veterans and their family members. And then, you know, Bill, we had by the time it, we started to hear from first responders directly, we had at least had a number of years under our belts and some experience and uh, effectiveness and efficacy of what we were doing that was working for veterans and their families that we thought that we, we felt we were going to be able to eventually expand to include first responders at the effects of trauma or the effects of trauma downstream and there, there was going to be a time. But then with all these legislation changes, presumptive legislation, more awareness, frankly, just generally on the fact that uh, what our first responders deal with every day in every community in Canada and the fact that trauma is trauma, it was, there was going to be a time. And in 2016, we expanded Wounded Warriors Canada officially to include first responders and their families under our purview. And, and from there, it's just been, as you were saying, partnership development, working directly with the services and associations, and ultimately the members themselves, to try to get our services in front of them as fast as we can. So how did this, uh, this partnership with Edmonton Fire Rescue come to be? Yeah, so we've, we started to uh, to create these partnership agreements uh, about two years ago, with the intention to say, and that's, and we've been working on and off with Edmonton Fire Rescue Service, and really got into these conversations within the last year uh, to. to uh, understanding that unlike the Canadian Forces where there is there are two national entities the Canadian Forces obviously Veterans Affairs Canada you have a lot more ability to work with a lot less people to get a lot more done coast to coast but when it comes to the first responder population yes there's obviously similar needs but they're a lot more fragmented a lot more siloed community by community service by service our fear was how are we going to get our programming information in front of the members that need it um, within this unique kind of organizational structures that, you know, municipal, regional, yeah. provincial, and national entities, it just seemed like it was going to be daunting. So the partnership agreements are simply organizations like Edmonton Fire committing to work directly with Wounded Warriors Canada and vice versa uh, to share information and resources to make sure that their people um, are aware of, uh, of what they're, of what, you know, how to reach us directly mm -hmm. and quickly. Similarly, for us to send our program information directly to them when available quickly and then through, you know, one stream of communication. And it's all about breaking down barriers to accessing and navigating yeah. mental health care built for them. So did they come to you or do you go to them or you just happen to run into each other in a Zoom room? How did that, how did that work out? No, no. So, no, of course, we have it. One of our ambassadors for Wounded Warriors Canada in Edmonton is an Edmonton Fire Rescue Service member. Uh, working with him, he's done a lot of fundraising, a lot of awareness. He, of course, brought this up and I brought it to him. Uh, talk, talked about it for a long time. Started talking to the organizational leadership, peer support, wellness teams, and just said, look, you know, this, is, this, this just makes sense. There is no downside to this. Yeah. It was very quick after the new chief arrived here uh, to to the service that uh, who came from Calgary where we have a similar partnership agreement in place with Calgary Fire that it was just a no-brainer to get it done uh, the time was right you know the relationship was strong and let's just move forward so the, the, the thing to note is that members can any member any first responder in Canada can apply directly and access our service there's no priority or preferential treatment no you don't have to have the partnership in place if, if they need help no, they can they can they can no, still reach out to you that's right but there's no coincidence that we're seeing greater utilization of our services from the organizations that we work close and directly with because they have the ability to get our programming information out to their people um, better than we do
Okay. Obviously, we don't know their members. We don't work directly inside the organization. Of course. Been chatting with Scott Maxwell, Executive Director of Wounded Warriors Canada, talking about this partnership that they've uh, created with the Edmonton Fire Rescue uh, and, and just uh, being able to help out frontline workers who, who need some mental health supports. And Scott, when we, we went into the break, I was I was curious about what kind of situations you, you might be involved in and what kind of trauma that some of these frontline workers uh, can face. It, it would seem fairly obvious, I guess, in some ways that you can see some pretty horrific stuff when you're on the job. And we, we're probably talking firefighters and paramedics because they can be very much uh, intertwined often. Yeah, fire, police, correctional services, um, paramedic services, you know, the, the public safety personnel of this country, uh, we support. I mean, it's, it can be it's hard to say it's one, there is no one scenario or situation for all, but obviously we're confront, members are confronted with prolonged exposure uh, to these kinds of situations over time. We use the old glass analogy everyone's kind of made up of one and it takes uh, however long it takes the glass can fill up and and then support is required and there's nothing wrong with that there's no shame in that there's you know these are honorable injuries like anything that you know you would think of physically it's just a matter of getting the right help at the right time for these people and i think what i mean by the right help is culturally appropriate care for the unique needs of uniformed service members and their families that that's that's our specialty at wounded warriors canada and that's why it's so effective uh, when you say culturally appropriate uh, care explain what that means well yeah just like uh, one of the problems that has been facing this community of uniformed service veterans first responders and their families is being treated by uh, by psychologists, by clinicians that don't, uh, that deal, let's say, mainly with the civilian population that don't understand. There's nothing wrong with what they're trying to do. It's just they don't understand the unique needs of what it's like to wear a uniform, the operational service culture, the environment, uh, the stressors, the pressures, and the exposure. So you, you want to make sure, and our success is, make, is our programs are tailor-made, custom-built, to, with the understanding of these stressors, these realities, and these risk factors. And, and we hear it all the time from the lived experience of the participants saying, you know, you, this, this program, it was built for me, for us, and it's very effective. And, you know, obviously our clinicians, those that are on the front line, our psychologists that uh, are, develop programs for us and ultimately deliver them, uh, they have spent a lot of time learning and understanding how to respond to the mental health needs of our frontline men and women in uniform service. And we're seeing the transformational effects uh, every every day. And, and, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, say, if you're at a fire and somebody has died, that would be a traumatic moment. And, and you you see that and you sort of live with that. And, and, and it, it would be a horrific thing to have to go through an experience as a frontline worker. Clearly for the families, it's, it's a... It's, it's a tragedy, yeah. but you're still dealing with that on a... So is, is that primarily... But you were also talking about some of the other pressures and that kind of thing. So to me, that kind of uh, trauma would be obvious. What are some of the issues that, uh, that some frontline workers are facing that maybe aren't as obvious to those of us who are not within that world? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's just... Uh, there's a million different things that, uh, that uniformed service would face just doing their job daily within the community. But the other part of what we're trying to do, which is what this partnership with Edmonton Fire Rescue Service does, is, you know, making sure that there's positive social responses, positive, you know, re stigma reduction within their workplace, within their, you know, their relationships at work with their colleagues and transforming that whole narrative around it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to put your hand up and take a knee and ask for help. So it's not just the, it's not just the um, effects of dealing with what they deal with as part of their 
daily duties and responsibilities, but also how they're responded to when they reach out for help within the organizations, which of course can lead people if that's not done right. If that response is not properly supported, it can actually lead to further injury amongst um, frontline personnel. So it's there's a combination of two things. It's not just one incident. It's not just one scenario. Sure. There can be many built up over the time, but I we think it's equally important that the organizations are trained and 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 informed how to properly respond and support their members in their time of need. And that's that's really where we're coming into these organizations to give them a hand mm-hmm. at doing that by offering up an additional layer of mental health support through the programs that we have uh, for their people. We got a message in a text message in from uh, from John who says he's been a paramedic, a firefighter, a police officer, specialized care absolutely needed for the first responder and their family. And that's also that's exceptionally important that the family is part and parcel of all this. 100%. The old, the historic way we've done this in Canada is look at uh, how we treat people up and to the individual member themselves. Of course, we realize that mental health injuries are family-based injuries. Yeah. Our, we, we support, we don't only treat individuals, we treat individual frontline members, we treat um, them and their spouses, partners as well through couples-based residential therapy. Yeah. We have spousal resiliency programs. Um, we have programs for surviving spouses who have lost a member in the line of duty or death by suicide. We have a warrior kids division built by uh, top two top great phenomenal clinicians right in Edmonton that are running that program for us nationally so we have a it's we call it a spectrum of care because mm-hmm. the complexities of these injuries are uh, are what they are and to his point he's 100% correct you're not going to be doing this right unless you make and treat this as family-based injuries. This uh, partnership with Edmonton Fire Rescue, does it have a sort of an end date? Is it a certain contract? How long does this go on? No, for? I mean, we're hoping what, we're hoping it, it lasts in perpetuity. There's no end state to it. We consider this announcement as day one of a long-term working relationship. We know there's always going to be a need. There's always going to be things that we're going to need to do together. There's always going to be the, this is this is a, an okay the reality of recognizing what they do and making sure they're properly supported uh, from top to bottom. So there's no end state in this. It's just making sure we continue to evolve and do and do better uh, with mental health for for those that serve the community of Edmonton. Nothing comes free, so th- this has to be a, some kind of a, a contract or a, or a paid uh, interaction. No, one of, one of the blessings of our of what we do, and we have the support of. Canadians nationally who contribute to uh, our our organization that allow us to run these programs for the for those uh, veterans and first responders nationally. So right off the top, I mean, obviously, like I said, we're supporting these members anyways. What we're looking to do through the partnerships specifically is make sure that they, the organizational leaders, the peer support, the wellness teams, get our information that what's available as I guess navigators in many respects out to their people, their members. Um, when when the program availabilities are there. So those ultimately in need um, don't have to struggle to find out how to get the help they deserve. That's built for them. So that's the main way in which the partnership agreements work. Obviously, Edmonton Fire does a lot of fundraising. They're, they're firefighters. Mm-hmm. Their families do a ton of that heavy lifting for us. We're coming back to say we want to 
bring that back into the organization, but we're going to need their help at the top to bottom, and that's exactly what they've committed to do with us, and and obviously we've committed to do with them. And there's buy-in too. Like just just before we go, it it seems like more are buying in and saying yes, I need help. Yes, I need uh, assistance, and and it seems to be a lot more inclusive or, or acceptable. Well, for sure. I mean, stigma reduction, just reducing uh, barriers to accessing care. There's a lot of phases to that and aspects yeah. to that. But one uh, one obvious one is, look, if your organization that you work for is not providing you with options and opportunities outside of whatever they have available to uh, internally, yeah. like maybe members might not trust what's out there. They might not know where to go. It, it is incumbent upon an organization and organizational leaders to provide fulsome amount of every, frankly, every available aspect and resource that's available to help them. And that's really what they've taken on here yeah. to do, give back into their people and, and work with Wounded Warriors Canada. So it's it's a win-win. There's no downside to this at all. Excellent. Scott Maxwell, Executive Director, Wounded Warriors Canada. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right.